From Arlington's WERA 96.7, this is Formative Tracks, the show where we sit down with D.C. area musicians to talk about the top five songs that made them who they are. I'm Eliza Burkhan. Today in the studio, we have Jay Niemeyer, lead vocalist and songwriter of D.C. indie pop rock band Color Palette. Welcome, Jay. Hello. Pumped to be here. Great. Thanks so much for coming in. So tell us a little bit about the band history for those uh, listeners who's, who aren't familiar with it. Uh, yeah, well, Color Palette is a five-piece indie rock slash electro band. We've been a band for like three or four years. We've released one full album and a bunch of singles, and we'll be releasing our second full album uh, this spring. And we'll be playing a bunch of shows uh, for the rest of the year in this region. And then also New York, Philly, uh, potentially stuff down south as well. So So I'm going to play a little bit of uh, one of my favorite songs from you guys called Seventeen. songs has uh, a political nature to it. Um, it does. It does. Yeah. I wrote it after our current president was elected. And like a lot of people, I had a lot of <laughs> strong feelings about it and channeled that energy into into writing a, uh, you know, kind of a politically charged song, which is not really typical of, you know, our lyrical themes. Um, usually it's about it's about love, breakups, anything pertaining to that. Standard fare. Yeah. So so what made you decide to sort of take this leap or this risk? Um, I mean, you know, I just I felt really strongly about it and um, you know, ideas just came I mean, really just came flowing out of me after you know, sitting there on election night and I've talked to a number of artists in the region and they felt the same way. And, you know, I think it's, it's just a product of um, everything that was going on at that time. Everyone was felt like they had to channel their energy into, um, into something creative and, you know, not, not wanting to, uh, to get discouraged and uh, trying to do something positive and productive. So does the song ultimately have a, an uplifting message or is it more just about getting out all that darkness? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit of both. The second verse ends with the words, in the distance, I see the light. And that was intended to sort of, you know, bring a positive note to the rest <laughs> of the song. Because <laughs> the rest of the song is very... after four, four years or maybe eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. It. Okay, so let's hear a little bit of that.
So I, of course, have to highlight your uh, Kelly Clarkson banger since you've been gone. Since I think it's um, probably the best rendition recorded, even better than the original. So tell me um, how how that came to be. I know you and I have talked about it a little bit before, but for the listeners, um, how did you end up doing this alternative version? Well, that that's awesome because that's maybe one of the best song, best pop songs ever ever written. Just structurally, it's it's like perfect. It's just it's an earworm. It, it's such a it's such an amazing melody. It's such an amazing vocal performance from Kelly Clarkson, and it's a song that everyone knows. Doesn't matter where you grew up, what kind of like background you have uh, what kind of friends you have like what country you grew up in it's just like everyone knows that song recently in the last couple years I've gotten into recording covers and putting our own spin on it and asking for input from from the rest of um, the members of the group and this particular song we were approached by by an agency in New York um, and we were asked to uh, cover the song. We came up with with a rendition that was relatively straightforward, and submitted it. And it was for for commercial placement. And um, I wasn't particularly excited about the way that it sounded. I thought it sounded very straightforward and pretty lame and pretty sterile. So I went back and I, and I re-recorded it, and I sort of put my own spin on it. So. Okay, so let's hear a little bit of Since You've Been Gone. Let's move on to your top five songs of all time. Was it, uh, first of all, hard to make a list? It was very hard. Um, <laughs> How long did it take? Uh, it took, actually, you know, I so so when so when you approached me about it, mm-hmm. I was a little bit overwhelmed. I was like, oh my gosh, how am I gonna? Yeah, impossible. five songs. <laughs> Out of all the songs that I've heard, like that's crazy. Um, but when I actually sat down, it took it probably took about twenty minutes to to come up with it. And yeah, I mean, I was like, I I feel pretty pretty good about pretty good about my list. Okay, so your first is by Led Zeppelin, but it's not Stairway to Heaven. No, you you steer clear of that. Yeah. After Wayne's World and every other. Oh thing my gosh! <laughs> After going into any any guitar center, right? At any time. Um. <laughs> so you chose rock and roll, uh, which you found in your dad's vinyl collection. Yes. Um. So that's how I got into um, rock music in general, classic rock. So, yeah, bands like Zeppelin, Beatles, um, Queen, uh, the Eagles. The Eagles is that's one of my all-time favorite bands, right there. Yeah, you, you you can't really beat the Eagles. I I mean I I love them. People some people talk trash on the Eagles. Yeah, I'm my like, sister if if she's listening, she's one of them, and I hope <laughs> I hope she hears Janie Meyer saying she's wrong. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but I, I, so my first instrument was, um, I had, so I had played guitar for a couple of years. I took lessons. Um, but the first instrument I really like, you know, dove into and just devoted a lot of time and energy into was, was drums. And after I heard John Bonham, uh, it was just like something lit up and I, you know, wanted to, you know, get the exact same kit that he used, sort of mimic all his drum patterns. Um, and how old are you at this point? I was like 12 or 13. Okay. And, you know, uh, my, my, so my dad, my dad was a drummer, um, uh, you know, in, in bands, uh, I guess up until his like thirties or so. So he had his old kit and he had a bunch of older cymbals and I started playing on that and eventually we upgraded to like, you know, nicer and nicer kits. And I got more and more into it and I was able to actually like replicate more and more of John Bonham's fills and drum patterns. And so would you like literally put the record on instead of the drums and try to play along with it? Yes. Is that doable as a drummer or are you playing so loud that you can't even really hear well, yeah, well, so what, what happened initially was that I didn't, I didn't have headphones long enough to go from the record player to the drum set. And so I used to turn up the speakers of the record player to the point where I would be playing along with it. And then my parents were like, that, that's, <laughs> that's not, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, you need to... You need to do something about this because, like, we can't go every single day, play, you know, right. listening to you play for, right. like, three it's, or four it's, hours. It's cute. It's charming at first, and then... Yeah. 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 It becomes uncharming. Yeah. Okay, well, let's hear a little bit of uh, rock and roll. Thanks so much for listening. To hear the complete version of this episode, go to mixcloud.com slash formative tracks or click the website in the show notes.